Welcome to the Big Deep Podcast. Big Deep is a podcast about people who have a connection to the ocean. People for whom that connection is so strong, it defines some aspect of their life. Over the course of the series, we'll talk to all sorts of people. And in each episode, we'll explore the deeper meaning of that connection. Today, I speak with a woman at the forefront of marine advocacy who also carries one of the most famous names in the history of global ocean awareness. Hello, this is your host, Jason Elias. Welcome to the Big Deep Podcast. In today's episode, I speak with journalist, filmmaker, and environmental activist Alexandra Cousteau. Alexandra has a long history of actively working to preserve and protect our world's marine environments and is the founder of Oceans 2050, an organization dedicated to restoring abundance to the ocean by the year 2050. She's also a senior advisor to the incredible environmental organization Oceana. And it was Oceana who initially connected me with Alexandra. If Alexandra's last name sounds familiar, it is because she continues the work of her grandfather Jacques-Yves Cousteau and father Philippe Cousteau. Her grandfather, Jacques Cousteau, was a French naval explorer, co-developed the Aqualung, pioneered marine conservation, and was an underwater filmmaker who, in a way, taught the entire world about the sea and all forms of life in water through his films. And those films had a seminal impact even on me growing up in Arizona, where I first learned and dreamed about getting in the ocean. Continuing that legacy, Alexandra has also stood at the forefront of the world ocean advocacy community, and we talked at length about her personal and family connection to the oceans, what the legacy of being a Cousteau meant for her as she established her own path in ocean advocacy, and how she was changed forever by a day snorkeling with her daughter in the Philippines. Alexandra, this might seem like an odd question for someone coming from your family, but where does your connection to the ocean come from? And is there a moment where you remember first feeling that connection? Well, Jason, I was a child that learned to swim before she could walk. I took my first swim lessons when I was four months old. I'd been on expedition since I was six months old. And so that sense of purpose and that mission and that story, I've just been marinating in my whole life. The water has always been part of me. And I can't remember my first time to the ocean. You know, it's like you can't remember the first time you met your mom. But I remember the first time it all clicked. When my grandfather taught me to scuba dive for the first time. So the morning that we left the port in Nice, in the south of France, we were on a small boat. I think it was just a little dive boat. It was a beautiful sunny day, clear blue sky, it was warm. And I was seven years old, so quite young by today's standards. And the equipment wasn't at all what you have today. This was in the mid-80s. We didn't have a BCD, a buoyancy compensating device. I was a tall, kind of skinny girl. So my grandfather had brought me a mask that was a little bit too big for my face, a regulator that was quite a bit too large for my mouth, and a weight belt with weights that dug in at my hips, and fins that were a little too tight. 
<laughs> but we put it all on and I shuffled up to the side of the boat and I looked down and it just seemed so deep and so dark. And I took this deep breath and was trying to figure out how I was going to back out of this whole thing without disappointing my grandfather. And my grandfather came up next to me and gave me a smile and and a wink and said, you're ready? And then kind of gave me a little shove. And in I went. And I was at the surface and I remember putting my face halfway in just to see if this regulator thingamajig really was going to work. And it did. And so then I decided to go all in and I put my head under the water and took a deep breath. And it was like magic. And so with all of this enthusiasm of childhood, I started swimming down to see what was there. At one point I looked up, I guess I was about 15 feet deep, and I saw this school of little silver fish swimming towards me. And I was mesmerized because the sun was coming down through the surface and glittering off of their little bodies and they were moving in unison like by some kind of magic they would just swim one way and they would all decide then to swim the other and I was just fascinated by this extraordinary dance that they were doing and then they swam towards me And they swam all around me. When I would reach my hand out, they would move away from me and then I'd pull my hand in and they'd come closer. And it was just a moment. But that moment is with me every day. It shaped this relentless belief that those fish the ocean that they live in and everything that exists there with them is worth protecting and that feeling has never left me Wow. That's a beautiful story. I think one of the things it speaks to is how some of the most profound moments we can have in the ocean sometimes are some of the most simple. And we maybe we don't even recognize that until later. And it also sounds like one of the gifts that your family legacy gave to you was a profound sense of wonder about the ocean. Would you say that's fair? Well, I think if that moment hadn't been so profound, it wouldn't have shaped me in the way that it did. Profound moments in the ocean, though, are quite common 
And if you're fortunate enough to go diving on a reef that is still intact, it's just extraordinary what you can see. You can sit in front of the same square meter of coral reef and never stop seeing things. And if you're there long enough, the little fish will start interacting with you and trying to chase you away from their patch of seaweed and a little cleaner shrimp will come over and try to clean your finger. And those are my childhood friends. For me, at least, the ocean has been in me my whole life. And that is my purpose. That is my mission. It is what brings me joy. It's also what I grieve for. It's uh, it's a beautiful thing to fight for. And I think that one of the greatest gifts that my family gave me was this sense of purpose that drives me forward every day. You know, I wondered in advance of this interview if the family name that you carried had both benefits and burdens as you tried to forge your own path. And when you told the story of your grandfather nudging you off the boat when you were going to go scuba diving for the first time, it seemed to me to encapsulate in some way all of the complexities of that relationship. So like every child with a parent, there were certain expectations that maybe you weren't even aware of or that you took on around doing something with that family name. But it also might have given you a sense of deep wonder about the oceans on a level that very few of us would have ever been able to experience growing up as children. Is there truth to any of this? Yeah, you're right about all those things. My family never put expectations on me or never forced me. And from the time I was a child, they included me in what they did and they included me in the conversations. They just kind of opened the door for me to walk through. And that shaped me. That inspired me and and I adopted that sense of purpose as my own. It doesn't mean that I've always known exactly what to do. Because many times I've thrown myself into big projects with big ideas and, and they haven't panned out and others have. And so I've felt my way along this path. But there has been a cost to this as well. Being a woman in a male-dominated legacy is difficult. You know, even just 30 years ago, there weren't a lot of women explorers even for my grandfather's crews, they were all men. I think representation is important. And I love today seeing so many women out there of all colors doing all kinds of things. I'm a National Geographic explorer. There are so many women in National Geographic. The Explorers Club has also started, including many more women than they used to. And that representation is important. I didn't have it as a child. And certainly, everybody expected the Cousteau to be a man. Because my grandfather was a man. My father was a man. So if you were a Cousteau doing this work, you must be a man too. And when I was 
younger and I would be invited to dinners or cocktail parties. Oftentimes, the host would present me around the room as the granddaughter of Jacques Cousteau. Never as Alexandra Cousteau. And it had always been my goal to accomplish enough on my own that who I was and what I had done would be more important than who my grandfather was and what he had done. And I feel like I've gotten to that point now. Well, it's evident over the years that you have crafted your own way and made your own mark. I'm curious, being at the forefront of the ocean environmental movement, working with partner organizations like Oceana, what's your take? Do you ever feel disheartened around the state of the ocean? And is it still possible to save it? People often ask me, don't you feel hopeless? What can we do? But when I have those moments, and I do, my husband always says something to me, which has been really helpful. He says, the end has not been written. And there is no telling what we'll do between now and then. Human ingenuity has the extraordinary capacity to turn things around. And I feel like we may be getting to the point where there is enough momentum and enough people who want to protect this beautiful, precious planet we live on for our children, who want the oceans to be full of life the way my grandfather first experienced them and filmed them and shared them with everybody else. And I think one of the great life-changing moments I've had recently was when I called a friend of mine who's a scientist. He's one of the great marine biologists of this moment. And I asked him, is it inevitable that my daughter will be the generation of my family who will write the obituary for our ocean? And he said, no, actually. Science tells us that if we act in the next decade, we can restore the lost abundance of the ocean back to the same abundance that your grandfather once experienced it. And who knows what we can do in the next 10 years to turn it around. And there will be ideas and people and solutions and inventions because more people are feeling urgency to act. The opportunity still exists to create great change. And that is what gives me hope. And I think creates this obligation for us to seize this last moment, this last window of opportunity to save our oceans and save ourselves in the process. <laughs> I think in some ways to work on problems this large, you have to be somewhat of an optimist. You have to believe that things are still possible. Those of us who are deeply connected to the ocean are very fortunate because we've actually discovered a way to connect with the world in a very direct way 
And I think sometimes that can sustain us and keep us optimistic about the world because we are experiencing the wonder of the ocean. I would imagine with the path that you've chosen for your life, you've had all kinds of incredible experiences in the ocean. But is there one moment you could point to where you felt especially connected to being in the water? So about four years ago, I went to the Philippines with Oceana. And their Philippine office had just opened. And so I was there to support them, to help open doors to heads of state and the media, tell their story. We met small fishing communities and university students and all kinds of different communities. And I brought my family with me. I wanted them to see what I was doing and and where I was and, and meet the people that I was meeting. My daughter was five. And so she could already swim, but she'd never been snorkeling in a place like Palawan, which was one of the places that we went. And frankly, Palawan is breathtaking. It's these steep, rounded mountains covered in rainforest fall into the ocean. It's turquoise and it's just spectacular. And I had a chance to take my daughter snorkeling for the first time in this place. It was amazing. I got her all suited up with gear that I was hoped was more comfortable for her than what I had had on my first time. <laughs> and she held my hand and, and we went snorkeling. And there was just life everywhere. There were these big schools of jacks and these little sardines. And she didn't flinch. She was snorkeling and pointing at everything, the colorful reef fish, and then we snorkeled out deeper and she couldn't see the bottom, but that's where the bigger fish were. And she kept pointing and pointing and pointing and she was so excited about seeing this ocean world. You know, I could tell you so many stories about the time that I was in the water with humpback whales, or the time that I was in the water with sharks, or the time a juvenile manta ray came and swam belly to belly with me. But I think of, of all the stories that I have, that one, it was of the same power as my first dive taking my daughter snorkeling it had that same kind of life changing flavor to it because that was where the two purposes that I have in my life came together 
my daughter still at 10 years old talks about that day. And she still remembers it. And she remembers the feelings that she had and the awe and the wonder. And it was an inflection point in my life. Everything made sense in a different way after that. Finally, we end every interview and every episode with a single open-ended question we ask everyone we talk to. What does the ocean mean to you? Connection, legacy, identity, hope, future, love, joy. They all kind of crowd in at the same time. It's not like there's just one that comes to mind. But maybe that's because I've spent my whole life there. and. It is, it is a multifaceted relationship that I have with the ocean. Thanks for listening to the Big Deep Podcast. Next time on Big Deep. We drove into the jungle and had to cut through some brush. And here's this limestone structure. It was a temple. They called the Temple Cenote. We really appreciate you being on this journey into the Big Deep as we explore an ocean of stories. If you like what we're doing, please make sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, please like and comment because those subscribes, likes, and comments really make a difference. For more interviews, deeper discussions with our guests, photos, and updates on anything you've heard, there's a lot more content at our website, bigdeep.com. Plus, if you know someone who you think we should talk to, let us know at our Big Deep website, as we are always looking to hear more stories from interesting people who are deeply connected to our world's oceans. Thanks again for joining us.